Welcome to The Lover, The Fighter, Lover Edition. Friends, welcome to episode two of The Lover, The Fighter. My name is Lou. <laughs> My name's Lou. And as always, I'm joined by Mr. Christopher J. Leffler. Hi there. Now, some of you might not know this, but Chris has, in fact, been laid before. I have been laid a few times. Uh, started when I was 21. I was real nervous, but uh, got that one out of the way. Uh, and uh, here we are. <laughs> and you're, you're there was a leg cramp involved and you're 22 now right so. i am 27 all right i'm not 27 how old are you i'm gonna be 26 in september oh yeah it's you're 10 years younger than me <laughs> that's really disturbing to me anyway um <laughs> on to the show this is the uh, lover episode the lover edition so we're gonna be relaxing in this episode uh, <laughs> I love to relax. Maybe kicking back, you know. Who knows? We'll see. Kick back a cold one. Exactly. Light but, up uh, a J. <laughs> I'm, you know, you certainly are welcome to. Yeah. If I had a J, I might light it up. But I'm <laughs> stone cold out of J. Oh man, you couldn't have less J's right now. I really couldn't. I mean, the only way I could have less J's if I was smoking a, a, a rolling papers with oregano inside, or a cock. Yeah, I guess a cock would be less J than oregano. <laughs> Less J and less fire. Did I ever tell you about the time that I uh, I crushed up incense and put it in rolling papers and smoked it on a dare? Get the fuck out of here. No, I was like 15 or something. It made my breath smell very interesting. Oh, God. What did it taste like? Terrible. Like soap a little bit. It was those, you know, those little incense cones? Yeah, totally. You know, we we smashed them into like a powder and then (laughs) rolled them in rolling paper and smoked them. Uh, not in at all expecting to get high and not disappointed by the fact that we did not get high. Right. Did you get sick? Uh, no, I don't remember getting sick. I don't, I didn't like, you know, smoke a full J, (laughs) 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 but, uh, but yeah, that was before my straight edge phase. Exactly. So today Chris chose the song, uh, which is passenger seat by the band Death Cab for Cutie. 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 Uh, Passenger Seat's the eighth track off Death Cab for Cutie's fourth studio album, Transatlanticism, which was released in October of 2003. Transatlanticism remains the band's most critically acclaimed album and was their last independent release before signing with Atlantic Records in 2004. Did you know that, Chris? I didn't know that. No. Well, I do know that the album's fantastic. It is fantastic. Uh, I... I I need to suffer uh, the listeners about a full disclosure. I love Ben Gibbard, um, the multi-instrumentalist and main songwriter in Death Cab for Cutie. I love his stuff with Death Cab. I love the Postal Service album. Um, I just all around dig what the guy does. Yeah, he's pretty awesome. You know, his lyrics, the uh, the inflection in his voice, his melodic choices, it's all tits for me. I'm with you on that. That's something that people need to know before because if they're like on the fence, we're about to like, you know, basically blow the guy. So. Yeah. A nice hearty blowjob. 
His his <laughs> mouth. I saw him live. His mouth looks weird when he sings. It like it bends really weird, and it just like weird angles and stuff. He also does this little dance move through like entire songs where he rolls back and forth, left to right, and like oh yeah, his vo- his vocals go in and out because he's moving <laughs> across from the mic. But he continues to do it through the entire songs. Sometimes you just got to let the music do what it does. You know? <laughs> it is what it is. Um, Transatlanticism is actually one of my favorite albums of all time. Not just like, you know, a good album. It's an album that would make my Desert Island list. You know, should I make a Desert Island list? Yeah. Uh, this album gives me an erection. Um, <laughs> but since you picked a song, let's start with you. Let's talk about why you chose it. Honestly, I wanted to do something different. You know, we've we've talked about, you know, before how big of fans we are of Owen and like William Fitzsimmons and stuff like that, which I've been listening to like nonstop. I, I, I can't put that shit down right yeah. now. But, you know, I was going through my iTunes kind of figuring out what I wanted to pick or, you know, what I'd like to pick in the future. And this this song is one of them. And there's nothing extremely specific that hits me in the nutsack. Like when I chose this, it's not like, you know, I was listening to this when you know, I got my first hand job or anything like that, you know? Um, yeah. But before we like get into specifics, this is one, um, and, and just a quick side note here. Uh, <laughs> I've been doing a little bit of drinking lately. <laughs> okay. I, I've, I've been going out a little bit more and have been in kind of a weird mood, you know? Um, this is, this is going to be weird how I'm going to phrase this. So um, I'll, I'll bear with you. Besides the lover, the fighter, we also do a podcast called uh, the least worst of, and our most recent episode to date has been, um, you know, a breakup episode. We all picked an album that kind of hung around with us when we got our hearts stomped on. And um, I've been having a little bit of problems with that lately. And me and you haven't really talked about that. But, like, you know, she's kind of been coming in and out of my head. And, like, I'm trying not to think about it because I've been getting a little bit upset. But, you know, I was kind of in a weird mood the other night. And I was like, you know what? I want to do my notes now. I'm in, like, a weird place. And this song is one that's you know, a little bit more on the melancholy side. And I don't know, sometimes I tend to lean toward that side. That side's a good friend of mine. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. So I took some notes on it. And, you know, many times throughout the years, I've listened to this song. And, you know, sometimes while dating my most recent girlfriend and, and sometimes before that. But the song, listening to it, makes me think of what it's like to be just comfortable with someone. You know, just being content and happy and and whatever. And, you yeah. know, I... I wrote a bunch of lyrics down that kind of make me think that way, but um, I don't know. This is this is a good song to like be driving really late at night, like decent weather, not like 117 degrees like we've had in Chicago recently, but <laughs> you know, just cruising and just having it on blast and just kind of soaking it in because I don't know. For me, the song, it, it, you know, it's not overly complicated, not overly technical, but it's just beautiful. Just very subtle changes. You know, it's basically got like what three parts, Lou. It's got like yeah you know a bridge into that end part and whatever we'll get into that but it's just one that makes me you know think and and just melodically it just kind of calms me down it just makes me kind of just relax and 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 think about shit so are you uh are you thinking about trying to get back together with her no (laughs) so you got that weird fucking smile on your face well i'm like not sure i'm not sure if i want to ask questions like that but at the same time it's kind of make the episode more interesting Right, and let's let's choose what we throw in there. But um, no, I mean, and I'm not going to get super into it. But since we're already on on the page, I might as well keep going. You brought it up and shit, man. I brought it up and shit, so let's keep <laughs> it fucking going. 
Um, when we broke up, we kind of left it at, you know, this isn't our time. If there is a time for us, it's not now. And, you know, I don't know. Like, we've had a lot of hard fucking struggles. And, you know, a lot of the shit's my fault. And some of the shit's been her fault. And, you know, I kind of got to the point where I was just not happy. And I was ha- – let me rephrase. I-, I was happy sometimes and not happy sometimes. So it kind of got to the point where I was like, this is real hard and – I love this person a lot, but I'm I'm not. I want to be happy all the time. I understand. I endorse that. Yeah. So, I don't know. You know, like I said. So this song does it sound different to you now than it did while you guys were together, or is it still the same song? It does. It does absolutely. Like I said, you know, listening to it makes me think about being content, and some of the lyrics, you know, make me feel that way. And you know, I mean, there were times where. You know, we just be cruising and I just like just take a deep breath and like everything's good. And then then it wasn't. And like you were asking, you know, listening to the song now, it's kind of thinking about how things were when they were good. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So it's. Yeah. You know, and I'm not I'm not thinking about getting back together, but I wouldn't ever completely put it out of my head because this is the first person I've ever loved. You know, I told her I loved her and I've never told anyone that. And you've seen me through my. You know, <laughs> we've been friends since I was fucking, you know, nineteen, twenty, and a virgin, you know, so like... Yes. You did have it, a girlfriend when we met, but you guys were, you guys were more just friends than... Well, <laughs> she was those, your friend that was a girl. Those are your, those are your words, not mine. Yeah. So. <laughs> um, oh, fuck. Yeah, so, <laughs> let's, uh, let's take it, let's take a shift here and let me for a second talk about my, uh, my perspective on this song. Let's do it. Beca- because it'll, it'll contrast nicely to what, the stuff you were just saying. Okay. Um, first, the album. The reason that I love this album so much is probably due to personal stuff as much as great songwriting. A little backstory that I think, I mean, you know the story, Chris, but I don't know if you know the, that this album actually has relevance to it. Um, yeah. In 2004, due to an ill-conceived plan to move across the country, I found myself in California while my girlfriend was still in Illinois. Uh, We had been dating for about four and a half years at that point, and I remember taking these long walks from Costa Mesa down to Newport Beach, uh, walking along the beach and you know to the pier and stuff, listening to this album on headphones. How how far is that? Um, it's I would say like 45 minute walk from where I was staying to the actual pier. So I mean, it's not like close but you know probably like three miles okay but it's got like hills and shit so it takes a little longer than it would if it was just flat you know but uh but yeah i used to walk down there and i used to put this album on repeat and just listen to it all the way through over and over again it was right after i first got it that i got there so you know just kind of by happenstance this was the album that was in my headphones and uh and listen to this uh, i just really missed her you know what i mean and yeah and it was it was a weird kind of the album made me think the lyrics in the album made me think of her and then thinking of her while listening to the album made me miss her more and you know essentially i ended up moving back to illinois and within a month we got married yeah so it kind of set me up you know for some real introspection and i guess in a way this album kind of influenced my decision to marry her um so that's you romantic fuck yeah i mean that you know needless to say this album hits the fucking spot but as far as this album it's full of winners but for the record don't be surprised if at some point in the future i pick the first track the new year for a future lover episode yeah uh, that song is one of my 
favorite songs of all time but um since this is about passenger seat let's talk about that song specifically the structure of this song is really simple as you said you know it starts with a really melancholy piano piece that plays a bunch of times while he sings the first two stanzas Mm -hmm. there's this uh really interesting effect created by him holding the sustain pedal down on the piano to let all the notes ring openly from beginning to end over which they add some sort of droning synth chord that creates like a really eerie atmosphere when you listen to it do you feel that stuff does that stuff register to you that he's doing or is it just you know sounds no it totally does i mean and that's i was kind of wondering what that was exactly you know the the whole synth part yeah you know i didn't know if it was i mean it it, like you said it provides like a really cool background and atmosphere to it and you take that away the song is completely different the thing that's funny about that i mean that is that technically the the synth starts at the end of the song before this transatlanticism the the titular track so that's how you really know what exactly the sound is Mm -hmm. uh the the sound starts before the last track ends and then when the when that initial piano line comes in it kind of masks the synth you know because he starts playing the piano and he's holding the the sustain pedal down so none of the notes are going away as he hits them really you know what let me let me listen to that really quick yeah go ahead The effect itself kind of sounds to me like they took a sample of that sustained open piano note notes that he's playing. Like they basically took the sustained notes and sample it into a kind of re- repeating droning synth sound that they lay over the whole track. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. Because it sounds organic to me. Like it sounds as if the the piano drone's already going before he hits the first note but then as he's playing the riff it kind of uh, masks that drone so you just hear the piano stuff happening it's interesting yeah i did like that though but after the initial no, excuse me let me sorry no, no, no. i've got so much shit up on my screen it's fucking ridiculous <laughs> <laughs> um it'd be funny if one of those things was a picture of a cock just like unnecessarily (laughs) dude that's never unnecessary dude i don't think you need to have that up there right now (laughs) dude it keeps me fucking centered it would be definitely a vagina if i was gonna try to keep myself centered i think a cock would put me at ill at ease with beef or without oh either either or (laughs) what all i'm all i'm gonna say is i apologize because we come off like such fucking assholes <laughs> that's unnecessary talking about fucking beef curtains anyway um the lyrics are talking about driving describing the world going by outside and the atmosphere created by the music has that kind of everything flying by in a blur vibe you know yeah so i think in like you were saying it's a, it's a good song to listen to while driving at night you know there's so much fucking imagery in it too and like we were saying you know it's not like he's 
I mean, it's poetic, but it's not him trying to be like overly intellectual, you know? He's just, it's basic. And I think that's part of what makes it beautiful. Yeah, that's what I like about his lyrics is they're, I mean, they're, they're fairly intelligent. You know, he's, he creates really good imagery. You know, he, yeah. he tells stories. Um, his lyrics do a really good job of painting a picture, you know? They're, they're just smart enough to keep me interested, but not too smart to make me feel like he's being kind of a dickhead. Yeah. But the vocal melody of the first section of this song is one of my favorites on the album. Uh, it really lends itself to that atmosphere I was describing. And the, uh, the first line, I roll the window down and then begin to breathe in. I roll the window down and then begin to breathe. I love the way he kind of struggles on the pitch of the word in. Yeah, just kind of like inflection. He has. Yeah, he, he kind of, he it's almost like he's not going to say in and then he says it, you know, he's like, he, he drops the note in. Yeah, know. that's that's interesting too because it's, you know, even like, because I don't know, my fucking head always goes to like relationships and stuff, like imagining, you know, him having some kind of problem with his girlfriend or something like he needs to open that fucking window in order to just catch his breath, you know? Yeah. yeah. But then he says, breathe in. I like it. I like it a lot. Yeah. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> no, no, don't be sorry. Um, I also love the rhythm and the melody he chooses when he sings the words in the passenger seat as. From the passenger seat as you are driving me home. Then looking upwards, I strain my eyes and try to tell the difference between shooting stars and satellites from the passenger seat as you are he kind of staggers the the phrase i think it's really cool mm-hmm. um, and ben gebbard does that kind of shit a lot as far as not following the beats exactly he does a good an interesting job of that yeah um after the initial section the piano line alters to a slightly more upbeat vibe and he sings what I think is the best lyric in the song. With my feet on the dash, the world doesn't matter. Yeah, that's at 2.15. Yeah. Did you did you notate that? Yeah, I, I did. I mean, and right before that at 2.01, he says, you know, he's talking about, you know, shooting stars and satellites. Do they collide? It's like the first change after that main part. Yeah. You know, do they collide? I ask and you smile. I don't know. It's just fucking cute i guess it, it, well he, again he's he's telling a story you know what i mean right and it right. feels like you know you can kind of you're there with him you know do they collide i ask and you smile with my feet my feet on the dash the world doesn't matter line touches me real strong because i get that 
I get those feelings a lot where, you know, I spend a lot of time stressing out about things and then I have these little moments of clarity where I realize it really, none of this shit matters, you know? Absolutely. Like, so, yeah. so, I mean, you know, it doesn't drive me to start, you know, raping and pillaging or anything, but, <laughs> you know, those moments of, of clarity kind of help me deal with the, the more stressful moments where my bills aren't getting paid or whatever. Yeah. Even though my interpretation of what this song means kind of leaves me feeling a little alienated by it, something I'll get into a mi- in a minute, um, this line speaks to me fiercely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's one of my favorite things about road trips or moves across country, that feeling that in the moment nothing matters but forward motion, you know? Yeah. That's cool. You make me cry over here, dude. Oh, buddy. <sighs> get out the <laughs> tissues, but not the ones that you beat off into. Oh, no. <laughs> Please don't mix those up. Do you use tissues, dude? Um, do you want me to be honest? No, I want you to lie <laughs> for the listeners. I want you to tell them what they want to hear. I don't masturbate. It's bad for you. Oh, Matt, I don't. I get laid all the time. <laughs> I use a pair of old boxers that I don't wear anymore, and sometimes an old sock. Do you ever wash them, or are they just perpetually sitting there? Uh, they get used <laughs> and they get thrown away. Oh, nice! You have like a like kind of a rolling stock of old oh, boxers and socks. I, yeah, I, I can't I can't justify one load with my beat off, you know, merchandise. You know, right. like, I can't I can't throw that in with my fucking jeans. You know. <laughs> <laughs> hey, dude, did you just fucking bleach those jeans? Yeah, ready for summer. <laughs> oh shit! I'm glad yeah. I asked that question. I am too. I hope you enjoyed it. Oh yeah, that, that'll. Uh... That'll be fun rolling into this next section. <laughs> uh, what I call the the pride guide section, because he busts out his rhyming dictionary and rhymes pride with guide. Yeah. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yes. What do you think of that? Uh, I don't know. Is that is that, in your opinion, the thing you need to kind of deal with to get through the song? I mean, it's not a deal breaker. I'll just I'll just accept it, move on. <laughs> you know yeah it's kinda, we're in this together you know? that's kind of how i feel too like it's when i look at it it's on the weaker side of his lyrics yeah but you know it's not a deal breaker at all how do you think how, how do you well no let me rephrase how do you feel about how he sings that part you know you know i'll be your pride and then i'll be your guide how he goes like all high because that's kind of an example of like you know he has a, a an interesting inflection on that too on the b when you feel embarrassed, then I'll be your pride. When you need directions, then I'll be the guide for all time. For You know, honestly, when I listen to it, it kind of reminds me of like a gospel hymn or something. Okay. Um, yeah, that's that's acceptable. Which I don't dislike in context. I mean, out of context, like I I hate that shit. You know. Yeah. But in context, I think it's kind of it kind of works in this song. It's an interesting little break from the rest of the song. It's sort of it's more upbeat. Mm-hmm. So I, I like that aspect of it. Actually, now that you mention it, it sounds very much like a fucking gospel. Yeah. It's got the fucking structure for it. Yeah, it's that's what it reminds me of, which 
again doesn't doesn't it's not a deal breaker but you know as far as the content this is where the lyrics make it a challenge for me to empathize with the subject uh, when he talks about when you feel embarrassed then i'll be your pride when you need directions then i'll be your guide for all time yeah to me that's either about a parent or like a spiritual guide and since i don't have any nostalgia relating to my parents making me feel safe and i certainly don't get any comfort from jesus I have a hard time applying this section of the song to my life. It's a little too on the nose for me to find a way to relate to it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I don't know. And that this is, I could totally see how someone would interpret, you know, that as like a parenting or as a spiritual guide. My my fucking head goes to a relationship and like being someone's support system. Yeah. You know, and quite possibly because, you know, I did a lot of that in my last relationship. Like we were there for each other and stuff like that. But that's probably because of my frame of mind at the moment, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm not, it might have to do with the, you know, I didn't really think about this before, but the fact that I sort of associate this section of the song with like a gospel hymn, it makes my brain automatically go towards that direction, which is, you know, not the direction I normally like to go. You know, since we're on the subject, um, if Jesus and Michael Jordan had a game of one-on-one, yeah. who do you think would win? Uh, Michael Jordan now or Michael Jordan when I was in junior high school? We're, we're talking all-star fucking MJ, dude. Oh. Um, like 93, 94. You know, here's the thing about Jesus. I mean, the, all joking around aside with the whole Jesus is, you know, can, can yeah. you know, win a fist fight against my dad or whatever. Um, you know, like Jesus as a guy, if we're going to go based on my actual feelings about Jesus and that he was a guy that lived 2000 years ago and he was was, probably small, he was, well, my feeling is he was probably like, you know, Gandhi. He was probably a, a guy kind of ahead of his times, uh, emotionally and wanted people to do the right thing. And then his words got twisted around and turned into ammunition for fucking crazy assholes. You know, I don't believe for a second that he walked on water or turned anything into anything or did anything supernatural. You know, maybe Jesus. he was like maybe he was like the first person to water ski. Maybe I don't believe in Jesus as a supernatural being. Yeah. So the idea that he would, I, I'm pretty sure that Michael Jordan was school is skinny ass. <laughs> but you know, <laughs> but I don't know. I wasn't there two thousand years ago, and also no no one else alive now was there two thousand years ago. And also, the people who wrote the Bible weren't alive when when that shit happened. So what the fuck ever. But moving on, <laughs> um, yeah, Michael Jordan all the way. I honestly think that um, my old bass player Aaron could beat Jesus in a game of one on one in basketball. Was he a good basketball player? Um, I mean, he was adequate, but he was better than Jesus would have been because Jesus, I don't think, ever <laughs> held a basketball. <laughs> you know, I do think Jesus would give me a run for my money in a game of one on one because I am fucking terrible at basketball. Well, just throw him an elbow, you know? I know, exactly. Can you imagine fucking checking Jesus? <laughs> this fucking conversation, I just want to say, would really upset my parents. <laughs> well, good. I'll, but it- <laughs> I'll, I'll be sure to post something on your mom's Facebook telling you to give it a listen. <laughs> But it's also really funny because imagining Michael Jordan slam dunking over some like fucking Middle Eastern dude, like not knowing what to do. Exactly. <laughs> you know? 
That's awesome. Yeah, just standing there looking bewildered. Oh! Like, what the hell? Yeah. I, I didn't know any man could jump that high. Yeah. Says Jesus about Michael Jordan. You know, I worked at a place called... Lord. Yeah, I worked at a place called Ashley Avery's, which is essentially a collectibles store in Woodfield Mall. Do you know what that is or no? I, I do remember, it's, yeah. it's long since gone, but I worked there as an assistant manager. It was the only job I've ever had where I was required to wear a tie. I wore Fuck. the same. I wore the same tie every day, which Dan tied the first day I went into work, and I never untied it. I just loosened <laughs> it and tightened it every single day I worked. I, I know exactly where you're going, but keep going. Do you? I, I don't know if you do, but we'll see. There, there was a uh, there was a series of figurines that we sold at that store, and they were basically just Jesus playing different sports with kids. Right. So it was like Jesus with a fucking hockey stick, like about to like, you know, do a slap shot and Jesus kicking a fucking soccer ball through the goal, you know, Jesus like hiking a football. <laughs> and, and in my mind, I was like, this seems really sacrilegious. Like, I, I'm not a religious guy and I don't give a shit. I find it funny. But I feel like people who believe in, in the literal Bible and shit should be firebombing this store. <laughs> like, you know, Jesus fucking shooting hoops and shit. That's I. I wish you had a couple of them. I wish uh, I yeah. had a couple of them. They were more expensive than I was willing to buy as a joke. Yeah. So anyway, with a fucking hockey stick. I like raised up like he's about to hit the fucking puck. You know what I mean? Slashing Jesus. Ooh, awesome. Two minutes. I sold one or two of them when I was there. Oh, what anyway. did they look like? Uh, the the did, people. Oh, the people. They're always like old people. They're all. Everybody who came in that store was old. I, I didn't have a single customer, like, you know, without gray hair, basically. Oh, okay. I hated that job, by the way. Yeah. I, I like Huey Lewis in the news, but the manager there played Huey Lewis in the news' greatest hits 24 hours a day, every fucking day, all day long. Just, uh, you know. Is that it, better than uh, Fat Bottom Girls? Yes. <laughs> yeah, it is better. Or than, Young Jeezy. <laughs> no, I, I think I might actually like Young Jeezy better than uh, Huey Lewis, but not by much. Yeah, shout out to our old, you know, <laughs> warehouse manager from Best Buy who used to do just that. Exactly. On God. fucking repeat. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Oh Jesus Christ. Speaking of Jesus, uh, <clears throat> let's move on though. <laughs> Back to those lyrics, the uh, the gospel hymn lyrics yeah. with the the guide and pride it's it's unfortunate because up to that point i was really into the lyrics in this song even in the second section when he's asking if shooting stars and satellites collide you know i found a a, a way to resolve it but the pride guide section just feels jesusy to me yeah so that's kind of where i ended on that section i wonder if he's religious at all i don't know actually i i've done a limited amount of research on the guy because honestly he seems a little dull to me like, he writes great stuff, but, you know, he just likes to look like a dorky white guy. Who's married to fucking Zoe Deschanel. They uh they broke up. Did they really? Yeah, they split up, like, last year, and then she filed for divorce, like, I think, either at the end of last year or the beginning of this year. But, yeah, they're, they split up. I heard she was kind of a snatch. I gotta be honest with you. She I, I had a huge crush on her until I heard her on um, a, a podcast, and... I just found her personality a little grating, and uh, now now when I see her, I kind of think of that. So, don't get me wrong; she's still uh, adorable, but she lost some of her luster, if you will. Lusty, exactly. But uh, you know, the the synth drone that starts this track is, like I said before, the outro bit from the previous song, the titular track, Transatlanticism. 
probably because of that i usually listen to these two songs together making it a little weird to like review one and not the other right like i can't think of a time i've ever listened to just this song without listening to the one before it so it was an interesting experiment for me to do that i think the simplicity of this song is its strength you know as i said before i I sort of think of it as a companion piece to the previous track um and when i listen to them back to back they're pretty much unstoppable so (laughs) (laughs) yeah i i i like death cab albums um after this one the the transatlanticism album and i've even loved songs post this album but either because of the the album so strong or because of the emotional connections i made with it this album is one of my favorites of all time and this is a killer track off it so good choice i like this song yeah so we're gonna try something new we're gonna rate these songs uh just because i think it's fun to to give things a numerical value even though it's kind of bullshit at the end of time you know (laughs) in the end it's kind of lame but i i I find it uh i like to define things even if the definition is fluid and changes um so we're gonna do uh, what I call the pensive glance test. We're going to give yes. this uh, one through ten pensive glances. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know what a pensive glance is, Chris, correct? Can, can you show me? <laughs> gotcha. Essentially, I'm going to look at you while thinking about something else that matters. Um, but that's that's what we're doing for the uh, the lover episodes. So yeah. go ahead and hit me on on a scale of one to ten. Ten being the best and one being the worst. What would you give Passenger Seat by Death Cab for Cutie? How many pensive glances? Passenger Seat is going to get seven pensive glances from me. Seven pensive glances, not bad. Seven of them. I'm giving it eight pensive glances out of ten. Can um, you give me one just real quick? One y- of those eight. there are actually a few tens on this album uh the first track i mentioned before being one but you know this track rates i would say just under those for me honestly that the the jesusy vibe probably takes the two pensive glances off of the ten because unfortunately jesusy vibes are worth two points and they're not your vibes no they're not they're not jim caviezel's vibes either which would actually (laughs) add two points Right. <laughs> but anyway. Music's kind of interesting to me just in the sense that, you know, when you're in a certain mood and you listen to it, it's going to strike you differently. Yeah. So maybe maybe should I be in a different mood, this would get give, you know, like one less or one more pensive glance. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, this really hit the spot and it's, you know, I mean, we covered everything. So that's that's pretty much all I have to say. Yeah, right on. Yeah. On the next episode of The Lover, The Fighter, we're going to be doing um, Crush Story by the band Too Much Joy. This is my choice. And That's one I Cr- haven't heard. Chris is making a funny face. And I got to be <laughs> honest, I think you're going to make an even funnier face when you listen to it. Oh, no. So stay tuned for that. Um, and if you want to listen to that song out there in, in audience world before that episode, I endorse that decision. Uh, we also have an email address. It's theloverthefighter at gmail.com. So if you want to request a song or some such shit, and go get some. And we are now available on iTunes. It's official. We are on iTunes, so please head over to iTunes. Uh, look us up, The Lover, The Fighter, in the podcast section. Subscribe and download our episodes and rate us and review us and hopefully say nice things. 
Uh, if you have something negative to say, I suppose you could do it there. But if you want to be nice about it, you could just send me an email saying you're a douchebag and I will try to be less <laughs> of a douchebag on f- uh, future episodes. Stop talking about Jesus. Yeah, I mean, you know, this was the the most Jesus-y I'm going to get. So I'm not I'm not trying to tell anybody out there not to be down for Jesus. It's just not for me. But uh, yeah. But on that note, thanks for listening. Hope to hear from you soon.